1: Welcome to the Strangeology Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Foren, From cryptozoology, ufology, and the paranormal, to legends, forbidden history, and more. Listen in and explore the world of the weird and unexplained. Join me as I look into strange and fascinating tales and unearth the truths and theories behind some of the world's greatest mysteries. Be sure to head on over to our HQ, strangeology.com, where you can check out our blog, episodes archive, gift shop, and so much more. Now sit back, relax, and join me as we get weird. All right, welcome to the Strangeology podcast. Coming up on today's episode, we have tales from interdimensional tempests, a different kind of butterfly effect, and crossing over with death walkers. I'm your host, Jeff Foran, and we're doing something a little bit different for today's episode. Joining me... Uh, is the cryptid illustrator extraordinaire Easton Hawk. Uh, and before we get started, I just wanted to say uh, thank you all for bearing with me this past week. Uh, I was hoping to get this episode recorded and out. And uh, my world got rocked by a really nasty stomach bug. And uh, yesterday was actually the first day I felt kind of like a human again. <laughs> um so it it was rough. I mean, this episode was actually also supposed to be done a while ago. Uh and it's kind of just been cursed with scheduling conflicts and things coming up last minute. Uh so <laughs> we're we're all good uh, and things are are finally lined up. So uh I'm going to bring Easton on here. Some of you might remember Easton from last season. I had him on and interviewed him all about his cryptid art. Um So, hey, Easton, do you want to just, like, reintroduce yourself real quick and and, uh, tell everyone what's up?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Easton Hawk. I'm a hobbyist illustrator from Indiana, and I like to draw wrinkly creatures and, you know, nasty stuff.
1: Nice. (laughs) Cool. Um, What kind of new projects do you have going on right now, man?
2: um so if you follow me on instagram you've know you've seen uh i've been teasing that i'm getting into 3d figures and uh eventually what i'm wanting to be is a full-on articulate uh action figures so uh i've been mostly working on that doing a lot of comic book covers working on some stuff for small town monsters that i'm excited about um getting ready for convention season um, my first event is actually next Saturday from today, so uh, June 11th in Wytheville. I think it's Withville, Wytheville, uh, Virginia. Nice. So I'm pretty excited. I,
1: I pronounce it Wytheville, but I, I'm honestly not entirely sure of the pronunciation. I don't know. There's an
2: e after the th, and it makes me think it's wife. But uh, I do remember uh, watching Unsolved Mysteries, uh, and I just recently rewatched the episode about. With Bill. I'll, I'll call it with Bill. Why not?
1: There, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's, how, that's how Bobby Stack says it. So there you go. There I'll just you go. go with that.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I remember checking out uh, you posted, I think it was the Frogman, uh, which mm-hmm. I have um, a poster of. Do I have it up on my wall yet? No. I, I still haven't gotten a lot of art up in my new studio space, but I do have a couple of your You're pieces busy, back here. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, the, 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 like the, uh, the demo that you did for the, the frogman looked really, really cool. And yeah, I'm really
2: excited. Yeah, the, the fully um, articulated. That's... Yeah, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be really, so I just have to, uh, you know, kind of bite the bullet and do it and see how it goes. But um, yeah, my college roommate, Kane Sargent from uh, uh, Cincinnati, is uh, the guy that I commissioned to recreate my frogman design. Nice. So um, I don't know what really inspired me to like, just go for it, but um, the posters are fun. Uh, I'm getting t-shirts printed tomorrow. So I'll finally have uh, a little more besides the posters. Um, but I've always wanted to do toys or figures of some kind. And I think uh, the first time I went to the Mothman museum, they have like a little collection of uh, figurines and moth. I don't know if they're just like one-off, uh, just people making them and then donating them, or if they find them. But right. I was wildly unimpressed. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, some of these do these better. I know, um, uh, Mystic Novelty Co has some cool ones. Yeah. Um, but these figures are like, I think they stand eight inches tall. Wow. So they're okay. a little, they're a little bigger than any others that I've seen. And I'll uh, I'll have a few of them painted and a few of them disassembled and then a few of them all ready to go. Um, so that's with bill is going to be the first place that I have them available. So I'm pretty excited.
1: Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be awesome, dude. Um, I can't yeah, wait I to hope. see those. So gonna, yeah.
2: I think I'm going to keep them as a uh, convention festival, um, exclusive. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to those things at all. So
1: right. Right. Yeah. That's, so that's find, like, me at a,
2: find me at a convention. If you want one of these little frog boys with a wand.
1: <laughs> that's awesome yeah i was I was hoping to do that that festival this year, but uh you know just it was a little bit too much and and living up yeah. in New, New England it's like uh it's sixteen hour drive or something like that, and yeah, you know it's
2: about seven and a half, and at first, I was going into it thinking you know this is a this is a business trip, and you know if I don't do it now, I'm gonna have to wait till July uh to do a convention and I didn't really want to do that. So uh putting in the rising cost of gas, I told my wife, why don't we just make this like a a working vacation? Working and, vacation. You know, it's yeah. an excuse to stop in Point Pleasant on the way there or on the way back. So exactly. And anytime it doesn't be Jonathan Dodd or the Moth Boys or Crypted Comforts, any of those people, um I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on it if it's within a reasonable amount of time in the car. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's cool, man. Um, yeah. What, what other uh, shows do you have coming up that you're, you're going to be doing? Um,
2: because Mothman was, uh, delayed two years. I'm not on for this year, but I am planning on going just to, You know be there i have uh work in the mothman museum gift shop now so that's pretty cool and i uh nice i'm gonna hand deliver um a bunch of stuff to jeff i think so cool i'm gonna at least be there um i don't think i have anything scheduled until um cryptid bash 2 in august and um i'm still on the fence with cryptid con but i'd like to do it um i was going to do the cherubusco turtle days for the beast of busco oh but after researching it more it's like right you know it's it's really close to me and after researching it it doesn't seem like it's the kind of place for my work Mm. and the kind of stuff that it seems like more like a street fair or like uh i don't know what to call it it seems like a strawberry almost yeah
1: yeah it's just a little town thing
2: it's not really about oscar or that uh, story it's just a uh it's just a reason to get everybody out on the street and litter. so (laughs) yeah yeah, (laughs) i decided to forego that one so uh yeah i this year is pretty bare because i'm trying to uh get more stuff built up get these toys figured out i'm doing a ton of commissions that i i swore i wasn't gonna do but i'm doing them anyway (laughs)
3: Right. So, Isn't that how it always goes?
2: That's usually how it goes. So, yeah. um, yeah, the big one I'm going to say is Cryptid Bash 2 just because last year was an absolute blast. So I'm really excited to see what, uh, this year brings, yeah. but, um, I will be at Mothman and I'm planning to be at CryptidCon again.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cryptid Bash 2, I'm excited for, uh, vending it at that one as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, Yeah, Point Pleasant's a cool place to go to. I I really wanted to go to Mothman Fest this year. Mm -hmm. And apparently you probably need to like, if you don't live within a reasonable driving distance and you need lodging, you need to book lodging like a year in advance.
2: (laughs) Pretty much. uh, I think vending apps open the February of um, that year Mothman. And if you don't already have your lodging booked before that, you're pretty much gonna be driving like forty minutes because every yeah. year I've gone and I've ended it, I just started doing this uh as a side uh gig in twenty twenty one. And every year that I've gone, I think I've gone like four years. Um nice. I've had to i had to stay in Ripley, which is like not too far, but okay. when you're going through the White mountains of West Virginia, it's like a forty five minute drive to and from. Yeah. So
1: yeah, yeah, I was checking like Airbnb like, and years. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like everything was like an hour, hour and a half away that yep. like had any availability mm-hmm. that weekend. So it's like, well, maybe 2023. <laughs> yep.
2: So 2023 yeah. I'm really excited for uh Monster Fest, which uh that's yes. town monster that breed lover putting together. So we've already been talking about that. Yeah. I think yeah. that's going to be monumental. So I'm Yeah, really that excited. one's going to be in
1: oh. Ohio, right?
2: right it's in canton which yeah. is like right below uh cleveland yeah
1: a times. yeah yeah that's cool um, i definitely want to get in on that for sure
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's a little bit yeah. more reasonable of a drive than <laughs> yeah. kentucky and west virginia for me at least <laughs> yeah it's like there's the option of uh flying and, and like shipping your yeah. stuff but even like before gas was like a million dollars a gallon <laughs> it right. was already like prohibitively expensive to
2: yeah, see, I, I looked into flying for uh, the bill thing uh, just because I'm six foot four. I hate being in the car. Like you got three <laughs> hours max of me being in the car before I start to complain and cry. So yeah. um, I looked into flying and it's just outrageous. All the prices have gone back up. I remember in the pandemic, you could fly from like Fort Wayne to Cold or uh, Clearwater for like 49 bucks or something yeah, like that. Around no trip.
1: one was flying. And now, yeah.
2: everything. Everything's bright
1: backed
2: up. So Right, yeah. <laughs> yep. Jeez, There's that's... another business. It'll be on my text.
1: Yeah, write that off. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: For sure. Yeah. I'm um super stoked. I just um I, I'm working on making a couple of uh cool purchases for Strangeology. I'm getting a mm-hmm. um a direct to film printer. Um Ooh which is this is my first time announcing it to anyone out there if you don't know what a, a dtf printer is <laughs> it's not that kind of dtf it's direct to film, uh and uh it's you know you you print onto a film substrate and the ink you put it in yeah. an oven to cure so it comes with like the oven and uh you put like an adhesive on it and then you can use mm. a heat press which I have one. That's how I've been doing my glow in the dark shirts, uh, recently. Oh, really? okay. So I'll be able to print out stuff for conventions and stuff like that. Awesome. And, uh, you know, save save a lot of money on, on, uh, you know, yeah, bidding it forgot. out to a vendor yeah. or something like that. So I'm pretty That's excited awesome. about that. And a few other things to like round out my office space, like some, some, uh, cubicle storage for like, uh, shirt stock and, uh, bunch of other See, stuff.
2: See, yeah, I I always say that I'm going to get nice and organized like that <laughs> yeah. and I just don't. So, <laughs> yeah. and as if you weren't already the most impressive booth at every uh, convention we go to. <laughs> uh, oh, organized. shucks. Oh, man, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm I'm stoked about that for sure. And uh I'm getting some some like mobile uh podcasting recording gear, Ooh, like yeah, a Zoom recorder. Um mm-hmm. so, you know, if I can sneak away from the table or something or maybe go to go to a hype house and like do like a little like episode
2: recording there yeah Yeah,
1: exactly so that'll be pretty sweet um yeah yeah and uh, well, geez, let's uh, let's get into the episode. Uh, we've probably yeah. been chit-chatting for <laughs> a little while here, uh, but always good to to talk about updates and and all that stuff. And if anyone hasn't yeah. listened to the the first episode with Easton from last season, definitely go check it out. Um, today, I'm gonna kind of let Easton steer the show. He did a bunch of research on a uh, a story about uh, something known as the Joplin Butterfly People. And um, we're just going to talk about this, uh, this event. And um, why don't we just jump into it?
2: Yeah, let's go for it. So um, the Joplin Butterfly People was a legend that came after the monumental uh, tornado that ripped through Joplin, Missouri. Uh, in 2011, um, it was. I remember it very well uh, in real time. I remember the at least the day after um, it was all over the news because it was an EF5 tornado, which um, is the grandest on the Fujita uh, scale, and um, it. Let's see. So, they were expecting some uh, pretty heavy storms but it seems like that one uh in particular uh revved up way harder than uh they were expecting so the i can just go into the storm details so um this was may 22nd of 2011 uh the tornado itself formed at five thirty four pm so that's um pretty odd because uh i don't know if you were a weather guy but when i was growing up um My dad uh, took me to see Twister at a (laughs) drive-in, and from Twister, uh, that was probably when I was, like, six, so 2001. From then to, like, 2008, when I was 13, uh, I wanted to be a meteorologist all because of that, so I was, like, really in the weather, and I was always living in Indiana. Whenever we would have uh, heavy storms or a tornado watch, I would pretty much plan to eat my last meal that night so i would always want to eat the my favorite thing at the time yeah uh thinking that surely i'm going to die because a tornado is going to form. <laughs> so
3: oh god i don't know
2: what <laughs> they were thinking in a twister but it scarred uh every <laughs> every person <laughs> um so tornadoes usually don't form in the evening that's usually when the weather cools and uh you know wind usually starts to die down but um Yeah, 5.34 PM, uh, it lasted until 6.16 PM. Um, So an EF-5 that is uh, categorized if the winds exceed 200 miles an hour. So uh, the tornado traveled 22.1 miles uh, from formation to dissipation. And um, like I said, it lasted about 38 minutes. Um, In that time, As a result, around 158 people died and about 1150 people were injured uh, directly or indirectly from the uh, storm. Um, I also put a note in here that the deadliest tornado uh, in American history was what was called the tri-state tornado, which was uh, March 18th, 1925. And it's it only lasted 40 minutes, but it spanned through Missouri, Illinois and Indiana. Wow. And it killed the death toll on that was 541 wow. at the uh, at the lesser side and at most uh I saw because I, I had to look at this a few times it's between 541 and 695 so that's a big jump yeah. so i'm going to lesser side i'm going to hope for the lesser side and say right. 541 um it devastated five towns in a 40 minute span and that one was a weird one because and I tried to find some sort of paranormal, um, you know, accounts or anything because it's 1925. There's no photos of it. There's no footage of it or anything. Right. Yeah. Uh, but from the witness accounts um, that I could read, it was described as quote boiling clouds on the ground, or uh, quote an amorphous rolling fog. So people, I think it was so deadly because people didn't see it. It was like yeah. shrouded in, and um, you know, people that live in Tornado Alley um, usually have a pretty good gauge on what the weather is going to be like or what it would be like if this was a dangerous situation. But um, so a lot of people were outside just tending their fields and, you know, doing their day in day out things just yeah. thinking that there's a coming, and then boom, it hits you. So, um, but yeah, that's a little off track, but uh, no,
1: no <laughs> I mean but, tornadoes uh, are are no joke man you know it's no, uh, especially so, especially um, the big ones <laughs> they'll, yeah, they'll tear they'll and, tear up a whole town or something yeah
2: yeah and, um yeah the excuse me the Joplin tornado was um it was just a massive massive storm um from there uh I kind of just researched the basics uh you know the uh makings of a tornado so um what you need is a lot of, uh, moisture, a lot of humid air rising, um, I think cool air falling that, uh, starts that rotation, um, horizontally in the, in the clouds. And then it begins to slowly, uh, turn on its axis and starts at the ground and forms up. So during, um, this horrific storm, um, tons of devastation, tons of peril, tons of emotional energy being expunged. Uh, uh, And after the storm throughout the county, throughout the city of Joplin, um, there were children that claimed to have been saved or seen or um, experienced what they called butterfly people um either interfering with debris launching towards them or lifting uh walls and other debris and cars um just pretty much being some sort of divine intervention uh in the middle of this whole thing so i have a few anecdotes that i'll plug in later yeah um but it's just a strange occurrence to have children born and raised in the bible belt um describe these entities as butterfly people instead of angels because um you know i was raised christian and i certainly saw plenty of depictions of winged angels um, sure sure so yeah I, it's i i think that's where more of the 14 aspect of it comes and comes in because um the butterfly people themselves were described as small um they're kids so they can't really gauge like the scale um <laughs> but that they were almost fairy-like is the way that I took it. Um, yeah. They were human beings with multicolored uh, butterfly-like wings. So, um, and it was just a strange occurrence, not with that, but also children from different schools, you know, different parts of the city and county that don't really have interaction with each other outside of, um, you know, school or Sunday, Sunday school. But all of them reporting the same thing and their parents you know, um, testifying to it that,
1: yeah, weren't there this... a few like adults that like witnessed, witnessed some of these right. like, beings too.
2: Right. And yeah. I think that they, they definitely experienced it or, um, processed it in a different way. Yeah. Um, which, uh, part of my research, I kind of went into how, uh, there's a study that says that, we are pretty much hallucinating all the time in order to make sense of the world around us, and our brain just automatically um, filters, or you know, just gets down to the meat and potatoes of what we're what you know what information we're taking in. Right. So yeah,
1: uh, yeah. kind of like the, the, the holographic is, universe type of <laughs> yeah type so, of thing, yeah. which
2: is another. It's just another weird thing that um, consistently. All these children that, again, don't have, you know, much contact with other children um, outside of their their own uh, school system would see and describe the same things. Right. Being these yeah. Um. So, yeah, uh, that's pretty much the synopsis of the entire debacle. Um, tornado came through. Children claim to have seen winged. Butterfly people. Um, there were, let me see here. Uh, I can give a couple of the anecdotes since we're pretty much there. Um, and I got these from the, of course, I didn't write it down, but the uh, <laughs> local, <laughs> the local newspaper. Yeah. Um, it was. It was a while after, for the sen- you yeah, know, for the sake of sensitivity to. Uh, an event that pretty much leveled their entire city obviously yeah. so um but soon after um they started to report uh, these encounters so i had a, a story about a mother and her preschool age daughter who uh, ran from their cars because uh, if you know anything about tornadoes you should not be in a car yeah. So they usually tell that if you are on a highway, you need to exit your car. You need to find a uh, an overpass or something, some yeah, sort of
1: lowest point, point in a ditch. Yeah,
2: lowest yeah. point. So they fled from their car and they fell to the ground just as the uh, tornado was, you know, in their vicinity and throwing, you know, two by fours and debris. And um, as they braced. Uh, as they braced themselves to pretty much either be picked up or you know slammed into yeah uh, nothing happened pretty much, and um after it passed over them, the daughter, which i I think this is one of the more famous um the the more famous uh, stories in this, the daughter looked up and asked uh the mother, "Don't you think they were beautiful and she didn't know what she was talking about, and she said, the butterfly people, which is right. uh gets its name yeah <laughs> uh, I, I was the the first and of course they didn't have a name um i don't i don't feel like a lot of people especially dealing with children they don't want to have their names out in uh out in public or you know with public access um yeah so, that's right. a lot of a lot of yeah and i know a lot of skeptics are definitely want to like jump on that train where the, you're hiding behind the anonymity anonymity of um you know newspapers not wanting to put the names to these people um let's see um i had another another account had um it was a man and his two young boys uh they were trapped inside their home as the tornado barreled uh, over them and um in this uh the man said that the wind was so powerful that his uh shoes were ripped from him off of his feet. so um they though that happened they weren't injured which is a miracle in itself yeah Uh, but the uh the two his two sons both claimed that they saw butterfly people protecting them and like holding the uh the the structure that they were in so the four walls of i'm I'm assuming a closet yeah because they're above ground in the story um which i feel like that is most of it is is stuff like that guardian angel type stuff where um they're in harm's way and the the entities themselves are holding back the tangible physical structure that's uh, that they're um they're
1: seeking,
3: you know, right.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Can I interject one story yeah, that, I, that I had read? Um Speaking of like holding back walls, I was, I was reading this one article and there's a lot of articles out, out there about right. this event. There's so many people that have reported this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them was a building had collapsed on several uh, people and there were children in there as well, and they remember like six. They described them as like men, like people, like six men came in and lifted up like the the four walls out of the way and just walked away.
2: Right, I think, yeah, <laughs> that was about the time the ambulance showed up. Yeah, and these because they they also said that they, they didn't see anything. So no, they didn't see anybody, you know, going from that spot to another to help. You know, right. The yeah. They, there was no sign so, of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I saw that one too, but, um, I guess the, the whole point of this podcast is to pretty much like, you know, uh, theorize and make sense to, and apply some science to it. And, um so um, I think the most, uh, I think in this, in this wheelhouse, in this wheelhouse of, uh, paranormal phenomena, I would say that the most, uh, safe bet would be, um, some sort of interdimensional happening, interdimensional thinning of the veil. Um, I know you did, is it just for, uh, Patreon that we're doing the psychopomp? Uh, yeah yeah read. yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll we'll talk so, about that later. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you do you, you want to give the dis, or the uh you know the description of what a psychopomp is just so we can use that word uh throughout this I suppose.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. So so basically, uh, a psychopomp uh, also known as a death walker is a afterlife guide. Uh, just to be <laughs> quick and easy with it it's it's right. an entity that um helps ferry uh the souls of the deceased into the next plane of existence uh is basically what a psychopomp is and um yeah <laughs> there's uh there's simple some, stuff simple stuff yeah um <laughs> you know the the Gardnerian, guardian angel theory is is interesting there was another story that i saw that um there was a it was a 4-year-old boy that was found in a, the middle of nowhere in a field 6 miles i think east of Joplin are you right. familiar with this one yeah Yeah.
2: He, uh, and the, the sheriff or the, the police sheriff officer him. that uh found him asked him where he lived and he said near the hospital which yeah. was 6 miles away the kid didn't have a scratch or a bruise or anything. Yeah. So, and he described
1: um, something like guardian yeah. angels, like flying him
2: to he, safety He claimed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was pretty much, uh, you know, sky lifted, um, yeah. to safety outside of the, uh, the records zone.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean like how, yeah. how could that, how could that happen? You know, it's like, there's gotta right. be something that like physically manifested. Cause I mean, you know, a tornado can pick
2: anything up, right? If it's if strong enough, like that, yeah. If I was you'd a get, kid get torn to shreds. That, I, <laughs> well, I would just say that I flew there, Right. so I wouldn't give credit to anybody else, right? So, um, but I, like I said, going going back into these these kids know being raised in Missouri, that is the Bible Belt of the United States, and I. I would say that I was fairly indoctrinated with Christian doctrine from a young age. That's just how it works, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, I I know what an angel is supposed to look like. There were painting of paintings of angels in my grandmother's house. There's painting of angels in the church hallways that I attended. So it's it's just such a strange choice if it you know if these kids are going to make it up why wouldn't you go for the low-hanging fruit, which is angels right. and divine? And, you know, because it fits the narrative that they're already familiar with. And, you know, and you know that your parents believe. So I guess that's just another point that makes me feel like this uh, story has a little bit more weight to it. Um, just besides um, that, the, you know, kids, you you're pretty much kept in the same group of children, especially uh, Joplin, Missouri is like a town of 50,000 people. So you're you're in action pretty much until you're a driving age or in like middle traveling sports, middle school, high school age. So it's it's just so bizarre to me that these kids are describing the same thing, but they're separate. And, you know, assuming they don't have social media, um, since it's mostly preschool, you know uh, kindergarten first yeah. third third grade um age children saying this so um yeah uh the psychopomp uh the theory is really interesting especially with uh the roots that it has in um you know greek mythology um roman mythology all that stuff um i you know uh, we talked in my last interview with you about uh stone tape theory so I definitely yeah. was trying to find an angle and uh, Stone Tape theory, which, um, as a brush up, is the idea that high stress and high emotion um, from humans can be recorded into um, solid matter and yeah. so, uh, elemental matter on right. Earth. So a lot of uh, running water. <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah. it's just fun. It's just a fun piece of escapism. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so, well, that, so I started yeah. looking into um, supercells and just the electrical uh magnitude that storms like this produce. And um when I looked into it, um supercells uh and just an average uh supercell storm this was definitely above average uh typically they generate 10, was it, 10 to 7 kilowatt hours, or 10 to the seventh power kilowatt hours, which is about uh, the same electrical magnitude as a 20 kiloton nuclear explosion. Um, Whereas a nuclear explosion is, in an instant, this is drawn out over, um, over, you know, in this case, 40 minutes. Right, yeah, Uh, yeah. So um, just that much that much um, ionization in the clouds, that much just energy in the atmosphere. um, It definitely makes me think that if there was going to be a traveling point where there is a thinning of the veil, it would certainly be in a place with that much energy and that much power, along with that much human distress and emotion, uh, psychically. So um, I started looking at that a little bit um, and I don't know why I put this in here, but I just figured um, the human brain generates about 12 watts of electrical energy. Um, And then I also wrote uh, this quote from, let me find my sources real quick. It was a uh, new scientist (laughs) article. Um, when we encounter a stressor, our brain and body respond by triggering a series of chemical reactions that prepare us to engage with or run away from a stressor, so fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Um, we release two hormones in, in this situation. We release adrenaline, which prepares our muscles for exertion, and cortisol, which regulates body functions, so you can think clearly and you can make more concise um, movements and, you know, gather Rational yourself. For,
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So,
2: decision making, you know, on on the fly. Um, and then I I went from that, uh, to, like I said, um, th- there's a study saying that we are hallucinating, which um, I know that shadow people, that's a lot of the time, um, lucid dreaming and sleep paralysis are both um, trying skeptics try to place uh hallucinating in your rem state um as a reason for shadow people encounters or any sort of sleep paralysis um right so i just thought uh, and then i guess this also goes into the mass hysteria theory for something like this Mm -hmm. which i don't think it really applies since uh i feel like mass hysteria the word mass gives it way more more people would have seen this than just children between, you know, ages four to eight or ten.
1: Right. Yeah. So, there. It seems like there was a. It wasn't their time to go, and something right intervened. So, <laughs> you
2: know, like I don't know, just just thinking of how stressful a situation would be. You know, this situation would be. Um, I'm like we were talking about with people are going to see different things in that scenario. People are going to react to this kind of situation in different ways. So for them to see essentially the same things and describing the same things, is just a little uncanny.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I guess from there uh, after describing the event and uh, what uh, people claim to have seen, I was just going to kind of dive right into different theories and just kind of Go tit for tat on that and see what yeah. you, you would think or if you have any uh, anything to add in here.
1: Well, um, I wanted to just touch on Joplin itself for a minute. Um, sure. So I looked into some of the history behind Joplin. And when it was started and incorporated as a city, it used to be a really big mining town for lead and during the great depression um it was a uh, a city that uh bonnie and clyde spent a lot of time in and robbing businesses so thinking of like stone tape theory there's you know probably some stressors there that you know could be left over and then after world war ii the main road running east to west through the city which is kind of like if you look at a map of the tornado that hit Joplin, it kind of runs east to west and the strongest F5 part was like straight through the center. It just looks mm. like someone took a massive laser beam and just yeah. like shot yeah. it out of the sky and just wrecked everything. Um well that er- that road was designated as part of Route 66, the historical Route 66, which there's mm. a lot of stops along that route, which are haunted, you know, right. psychokinetic Naturally. energy type of stuff. So I wonder if they're, you know, along with all the intense, uh, electrical activity from the storm, all of the psychokinetic trauma from everyone being affected by this. If, if any, anything in the past was also, uh, kind of present or, uh, magnified or awakened at that point too. Um, to thin the veil if you
2: will um yeah so which, you know i think that's a huge reason why i love stone tape theory is because of the historical aspect of it and i am a huge sucker for like this town has a secret or this town has like a curse type stuff yeah so uh, like uh, especially with like the mothman legend love the uh the research into uh, the cornstalk curse and just all of the strange things that were um pretty much blamed on the cornstalk curse and uh, that situation leading up to the mothman legend as we know it. Yeah. Um I don't know if you have you watched um the docu series called the the town that saw nothing?
1: I haven't actually. I'm going to have to check that okay. out <laughs>
2: You might have heard the story it's about um in the 80s there is a small town called skidmore i want to say it's in oklahoma hmm. but it might be missouri i'm not sure um where they had a town bully and um he was just a maniac and pretty much held this town like hostage oh, um while they were just trying to live and yeah, like he yeah. would you know, steal stuff he was uh an adulterer he would Assault people, he nearly killed a man, and uh, eventually the town got like really sick of it. And, oh man, um, <laughs> they they killed Farkas, and brought, they like, <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, Scott Farkas. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but they eventually, like, supposedly had a town meeting and decided that they were just gonna have to like take care of him them themselves because yeah. he can get arrested and charged. But um, somehow his lawyer always was able to just get him off on everything. Right. So eventually they decided that they were just going to murder him. Oh wow! And, excuse me. Um, they uh, he he was killed in a uh, pretty much like a I don't know what to call it like a firing squad type thing where yeah. nobody knows who delivered the blow. Um, but he was killed in the street, and nobody has ratted anybody out nobody's confessed nothing um since then so it's been you know 45 years i think
3: oh wow and
2: that's it's still not a solved case um but just the reason i'm going into that is because they thought that you know if this guy is the big problem there and if he is the the reason this town isn't like thriving then taking care of him should have made that place like a utopia yeah. But um, After that, it pretty much just left a dark spot on the town, and disappearances, um, horrible, brutal murders happened there. Um, So I get (laughs) in a weird way. He
1: kind of like brought balance to the town.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like focused all the dark stuff on this guy, but um, you know, about him grabbing the headlines. Technically, um, they didn't realize how just like sour that place was so um i think that also taps into my my stone tape theory logic where uh it's just i love that kind of stuff and i think that's why i love stephen king books so much because of his like uh texture and town setting and like especially reading it uh he has these interludes where it just kind of like tells you the horrible story behind dairy and um Every 27 years before it comes back out, something awful uh, would happen. That would pretty much spark that reign of uh, uh, child yeah, eating. So yeah. yeah, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But Interesting. Kind of off track. Here, but
3: yeah, no. I mean, we're... <laughs> nice
1: we're all about tangents here. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So um, what are so some yeah, of these guess, uh, theories?
2: So um, in the theories, I already mentioned mass hysteria. Um, they, the other theories have been near death trauma. Um, so that's purely psychological or purely, you know, in your brain, uh, possibly the, you know, everybody talks about the DMT dump yeah. and, you know, uh, hallucinating your way. Um, which I, I've also, heard, I think it's called, oh, I should have looked this one up. I just thought about it. Um, I think it's called like golden cord theory. you know what i'm talking about i I, am not sure i'm familiar with that one it's another offshoot of the near-death experience okay but it also kind of goes into akashic record type stuff where uh, this is off the cuff so i'm sorry (laughs) no Um, worries dude the idea that your consciousness your body is pretty much just an avatar and your consciousness exist in your head, it exists elsewhere in the ether. Oh, okay. And the golden cord, I think that's what it's silver cord, golden cord. You know what? Maybe I have edge. heard of this. Okay. Yeah. Where if you're about to, you know, you're if you're about to have a a near-death experience or you you your body or your um your consciousness thinks that there's no way you're gonna survive this. They pull the cord and they pluck you out yeah. before before your body is, you know evaporated. Huh. And uh um, so I get I think that kind of goes into the near death trauma idea but that the near death trauma is more so um goes back to the hallucination idea or your um just your brain reacting to this almost unfathomable peril that you're you're experiencing at that moment.
1: Right. Yeah, some kind of defense mechanism type right. of thing. Yeah.
2: Um because it's a winged creature, the theories have also gone into uh, Mothman connections, um, whereas Mothman was a, a harbinger or an omen. Um, this was in real time, and this yeah. was actively saving people. So the you know the Mothman legend claims that maybe he was there to give a warning. Yeah, Mothman um, didn't really save been- anybody. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So get everybody pink eye. And- <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> so there's there's some sort of inverse theory um with this winged humanoid omen type thing um like I said they're they're actively saving people or um you know crossing over three dimensions through the veil in yeah. order to have this uh intervention um, I think those were the the most popular of the ideas, aside from my silver cord tangent that I really probably don't know. Enough about
1: to be throwing that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, definitely gonna have to look into that one more later. Yeah, um, there was another theory, or at least um, that I ran across, that there were people that had reported seeing UFOs on the days leading up to the tornado, and even in the days after. Um, I, I tried to find a couple of um, anecdotes, uh, but the, the the only one I could find online that was close to that date was like may fifth uh twenty eleven and it was like two or three hours away from joplin so yeah, I, I didn't really count seen, that
2: one <laughs> I've also seen um you know lights in the sky u f o um sightings around nine eleven so there's another you know oh, as a, um, yeah that had sort of but you know obviously when you're you know in the grief process and you know uh reeling after a tragedy like that nobody wants to hear you talking about fucking UFOs. Yeah <laughs> and, yeah. <you> know. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Give it I a little time. Yeah. A, yeah. Right. So but yeah that is a that is another weird connection. Um if so, but like you said, if it's you know three hours away and days earlier, it it's a very it's yeah. a hard reach
1: yeah exactly like it's possible like yeah people probably could have seen some ufos in or around joplin but uh you know maybe maybe there's some some sources out there <laughs> that, that right. people know of if if there's anyone out there who do, who knows uh you know <laughs> leave a comment on uh yeah, on instagram or something <laughs>
2: yeah um so i guess my i, I like i said at uh, kind of the top of uh going into all this and I'm so sorry that I just like ramble. I'm not a uh I'm not a professional podcaster like Jeff Warren. So uh, <laughs> I'm barely professional I think, dude. <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> you walk the walk. So um I think that this is this is more so in the category of interdimensional um thinning of the veil type stuff where it's the the right circumstances for this kind of activity to happen. And in this situation, there was actually some uh, I keep saying intervention, but there was some actual action taken by entities greater than humans to protect human life. Yeah. Um, at least I think that's the most romantic uh option besides mass hysteria and uh right. you know all <laughs> hallucinating. So I think that's naturally where I want to go. Um interdimensional beings that with a storm that colossal and energetic um i guess if if that's the way that the science would work in uh you know in a, in a multiverse or an interdimensional uh scenario i think that would make the most sense for me yeah yeah and yeah So of course it sounds good. I'm just a movie guy.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. It's, It's, uh, uh, (laughs) they're, they're not the the interdimensional aliens from Pacific Rim that like send Kaiju to attack us. They actually come to protect us. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's, it's a super interesting story. You know, I, uh, like first reading it, like my, my gut is like, Oh, it's kind of like a guardian angel type of story. Um, Hmm but it doesn't seem like, you know, like you said, people describe them as angelic. Uh, but then again, that also makes me think of like, um, <laughs> the, the picture of like the, uh, is it the seraphim with the, the, the multiple rotating, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> eyes on reels and, and wings. And it's like, do not fear. Be not human, <laughs> <Be> not afraid. <laughs> We're here to help you. <laughs> right. And, um, well, I ran across this one account from uh the I'm not sure if she's still the clinical director, but the clinical director of the Joplin Child Trauma Treatment Center, uh, this woman named Danielle mm-hmm. Robinson, and she had in interviews said that she had heard a lot of first hand accounts from kids, and mm-hmm. some of them um apparently described the butterfly people like angels, but then um There were also some that said they looked, um, I know a lot of them were like described as being small and kind of like fairy like, Uh, but apparently there were some that uh, they didn't look human, first of all, uh, and looked Mm. otherworldly. And there was one description of them being kind of like a seven to eight foot tall, like insectoid Type of being, okay you know, but beyond just having like butterfly wings, but you know, like mantis, right. like a mantis person or something like that, mm-hmm. like just coming up and swooping people out. So then <laughs> we get
2: into the alien category.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. There's like so many different possibilities of like what it could be. right? But
2: which I mean, we you are going to interpret it in different ways. um so it it would make sense that there are variances, but the, you know, the most consistent from witness to witness was small humanoid people with butterfly wings. Yeah. Um, and then, um, pretty much the, the wrap up of my, uh, research was just kind of looking for, um, ancient cultures and, um, either winged beings or um, just the symbology of butterflies, which um, in ancient Greek, the uh, word for butterfly is psyche, which means soul. Um, So there's also a theory that the since butterflies are um, symbolized as souls, possibly these were either loved ones um, either related or not related to the people that um had these encounters um, pretty much piercing the veil to you know save them uh, in situations so that's just another you know kind of a walk, but uh, just another interesting thing that butterflies have this um oldest time symbology to yeah um to a to a soul or a uh, you know, an outside presence. Um, and then in Christianity, apparently, uh butterflies also symbolize Christ, um, with the chrysalis um representing the tomb that Jesus was um placed in uh after the uh crucifixion. Uh so I guess that's that's pretty like cut and dry. You know? uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting.
2: Uh, yeah. So there was another story that I saw about um, one of the survivors in this, uh, in the Joplin uh, tornado that along with all the butterfly people stories, she attracts monarch butterflies. Interesting. And, like, uh, um, they follow her around and she just cannot like, will not be left alone by butterflies. So that's, and that's it like seems like the-
1: an ongoing thing or was yeah, it, oh, a, a wow.
2: Good, yeah. I couldn't find like a, like a follow-up, you know, this is 11 years later, but um, uh, I think the, the article I read was from uh, 2014 where she, uh, she just, everywhere she goes, she'll see butterflies and they'll, you know, just be around her. So that's just another sweet little quip. Uh,
1: yeah.
3: Um,
2: for a story.
1: That's kind of cool. I didn't, uh, I I had not heard about that, that little tidbit. That's pretty cool.
2: Um, if uh, I'll email you or message you all of my uh, sources, if you like put them in your, uh, your show notes or anything like that, that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> could do that. Just, uh, <laughs> I'm terrible about providing sources. <laughs> 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 I need to get better about that.
2: Well, uh, I'm, I'm bad at storytelling. So I feel like you're doing fine, man.
1: You're doing fine. Everybody give uh, Easton some love. Um, <laughs> well, uh, before we, uh, we end the regular episode, I wanted to, I don't know, am I going to read this? Uh, so I was checking out if, are you familiar with phantomsandmonsters.com, Lon Strickler's blog?
2: Not really. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm of it. Yeah. But,
1: uh... So like he gets people that, uh, submit stories, uh, there's blog articles about all sorts of stuff. A lot of Chicago I Mothman stuff there.
2: I've watched his, is it the YouTube stuff? Like his live YouTube? I think he has a YouTube. Like a, okay. I've but, watched the YouTube a few times. Yeah. Um, but i blog.
1: Yeah. So I found this article from May 22nd, 2020. <laughs> um, and it, it's titled, Huge Winged Humanoid Encountered in Joplin, Missouri uh parentheses butterfly people question mark and uh someone submitted this story which it kind of seems like maybe there's an ongoing presence of butterfly people around joplin uh so it says hi mr strickler my name is bb i'm writing you from the southwest part of missouri in the ozarks i'm writing to report a flying humanoid sighting i actually feel guilty ...for just now reaching out as my sighting was almost a year ago in June 2019. The sighting took place in Joplin, Missouri as I was driving from Springfield, Missouri to Kansas City. Normally, when I make this drive, I go straight up Highway 13 through Boulevard and Clinton. However, on this night, there were tornado warnings... ...and my stepfather told me to go through Joplin instead... The approximate time was somewhere between seven and eight p.m. It was not yet dark. It usually gets dark between 8 thirty and nine o'clock this time of year. While the tornadoes weren't going to be in my route, there were scattered thunderstorms at the time of the uh, of my sighting, it was in between one storm and just before another. I mention mention this for a couple of reasons: one. Because I think there's some correlation between the electric charges of a thunderstorm and the ability to see this creature. I have no idea why I suspect this. And two, to acknowledge that while it was not dark, it was gray due to the storm. At the time of my sighting, I was driving a 2005 Chevy Blazer, the one that's the two-door with the S10 body style. I mention this because I used my vehicle as a way to measure this creature. I was driving down the highway going a little slower than the limit of 70 due to the wetness of the road. If it were, if I were to guess, I'd say 50 to 55 miles per hour. I did not see the creature until he was pretty much right over me. And I say he because that's the feeling I got. The creature was flying over me perpendicular to my direction and over to my right into the wooded area next to the highway. He was so close on top over my vehicle that I could close-up see the texture of his wings through my driver's window and sunroof. The sunroof was closed, obviously, but I had the shade pulled back, so it was just glass for me to look through. I don't remember any feet or arms, and I didn't see the head. The only part of the anatomy I saw besides the wings was a small quadrant of the torso region. I'm guessing it was somewhere above the navel, if there even was a navel, And before the pectoral region, as I did not see anything resembling human nipples, (laughs) Uh, the wingspan of this creature had to be between 12 to 16 feet. I mean, I'm not that great with measurements, but the creature easily could have had the tip of one wing down on the ground in front of my car and the other tip on the ground behind my car, providing it had been in park and he were not flying. And remember, this is tip-to-tip tip perpendicular to me, not parallel. My point is, it was like my car was entirely enveloped in his wings, even though it was for a split second. I didn't hear any noise, and this does seem kind of weird to me, considering I don't remember seeing more of the body. But what I find most interesting is the apparent control the creature seemed to have over my state of mind, As this was happening, I wasn't scared, and I was completely calm. Now, not calm as in soothed or comforted, but calm as I was just looking at a field of cows or something instead of a huge creature that's supposedly not supposed to exist in our dimension. Similarly, I mentioned that I didn't see his head, but an image of the head appeared appeared into my mind as as if he were planting it there. So, I know I saw the wings with my rear, real and sober eyes, but his head, I believe, I only saw in my mind shortly after he passed over and via some kind of control or telepathy. Anyway, I remained unaffected by my setting until I would gotten about 30 to 50 miles more down the road, and that's when the, the holy shit and the what the started. Pardon my language, I'm going to assume you've heard that before. Uh, so this person goes on, calls their boyfriend and tells her boyfriend what happened, he texted some friends and both of them were like, okay, something happened because this person is apparently some kind of uh magnet for high strangeness experiences. Um, and they go some on. People have all the luck. Yeah. Some people have all the luck. <laughs> apparently this person is a contactee and has experienced okay. uh aliens uh back in like 2013 they claim to have seen a glimmer man <laughs> and uh you got it you got it yeah so they you know they got the cryptids they got the aliens <laughs> so it's it's uh it goes on for like a little bit longer but um they they say that the um there were some sketches that some children made um during the or after the, the tornado of the butterfly people. And mm-hmm. she saw those and it looked very, very similar to what she saw pass over her, her blazer that night. Interesting. So it's a kind of an interesting an- anecdote, you know, you sometimes you get to take yeah. those things, th- these kinds of stories with a grain of salt, of course, you know, I don't want to discredit them for, right.
2: uh, you know, well, I you definitely know. like to know, I wish she, or, I wish they would have mentioned the um you know i she said something about it being a uh, like a second pretty much where she like right re- realized everything was happening i wonder yeah it's like a really quick instant yeah yeah i wonder if you know raindrops were hitting the windshield or if there was like you know some sort of physicality to it because It sounds like if something like that would happen, it would almost be like driving under an overpass when there's like a torrential downpour and you have that like, you know, second of everything's quiet and clear and then it goes straight back into falling rain. So I'd love to hear like this account from her with Lon or somebody asking her questions like that.
1: Right. Yeah, that would be good to know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So especially if there's like uh this telepathy thing in mind is the you know i i want to hear like the physicality of it
3: yeah exactly if
2: it's affecting <laughs> affecting you know the state uh, of everything and so yeah that's a really interesting one uh i also wanted to uh, note that the town of Joplin has pretty much accepted the uh butterfly people like imagery right like, wholeheartedly yeah um,
1: there's like a big they, mural they, they made right
2: yeah so yeah. they they've acknowledged it so much so that um I I want to say I even heard that they like renamed themselves like Butterfly City or something like that. Oh interesting. Uh, along with the uh the mural they've like pretty much full on leaned into it and um they don't it doesn't seem like they like try to discredit this thing they try to like see that as like the beautiful thing that came out of this tragedy is this you know bizarre event happening and you know right children yeah saved. and so i i think that's like a nice little silver lining is that the kids do have like um people believing them to a to a point at least to where yeah. uh, it's almost a symbol of hope and you know rebuilding and rebirth for the city so i think that's a nice little uh caveat to like end out on uh, yeah right
1: yeah no it's 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 definitely um you know unfortunately you know not everybody made it out but there are all these stories yeah. that are kind of like out of, miraculous
2: <laughs> out of fifty thousand people people into uh, an ef5 tornado rip ripping through right downtown um yeah it's it's amazing that more people did lose their lives in the in the thick of that thing right. So
3: yeah um, yeah.
2: Yeah. The story all around, with or without the butterfly people, if you know, a storm like that rips through, and um, you know, not droves of people lose their lives. I, I'd say that's pretty miraculous, too.
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure.
2: Even with even with you know our warning system and you know modern meteorology, it's you can only prepare so much, and so it's just an amazing story front to back, with or without the paranormal element. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly weather just uh, astounds me. So I just think that it, it's a, it's a, it's a cool story with or without that element.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool to see, um, some, I guess like retrospective like interviews with, you know, the children who survived yeah, that definitely. now. Yeah. And growing up
2: with that, you know, it's growing up with that experience. Yeah. definitely. are you know, with their, you know, minds a little more, uh, sharp and right. Um, yeah. Most of certain. them are
1: probably in their teens or maybe
2: early twenties yeah, right. at this point. So, I guess that was 11 years ago. So yeah. Of, at least so.
1: Yeah. It kind of reminds uh, yeah. me a little bit of like the, the, uh, the aerial school, uh, UFO yeah. sighting back in 1994. Exactly. They're
2: which, still consistent with that whole thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there was like some new interviews or a documentary really, uh, released, recently, which I got to watch still. It's uh, something
2: I've been yeah, wanting to I, cover
1: for an episode.
2: <laughs> i, see, I see some quotes from it, and uh, it looks like um, it's it's still, they are gung-ho that that's what they saw, and nobody's, like, wavered. So, yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny, like, thinking about like, yeah, well, <laughs> they're, they're kids. They say they saw one thing, but They may have, you know, known what they saw, and like kids can have like some pretty, pretty wild imaginations and stuff.
2: Yeah, you have some kids. Yeah, (laughs) I I hear everything. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) A lot of it's like regurgitated stuff that they've seen. So I don't know. It just, it's just a, it's just a really, really fascinating instance where. I keep saying that there's kids that really don't know each other and aren't familiar with each other um, across this town see the same thing. It's just, there has to be, there's something that happened, something strange. Um, so whether it was as they describe it or not, something definitely had a uh, a hand in, you know, uh, curbing the devastation uh, at least a little bit, a minuscule amount. So Yeah,
1: certainly seems like it. For sure. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, well, this was a really cool story, Easton. We're uh we're at the top of the, the hour just about. Um you wanna just uh drop where uh people can can find your stuff um before we we yeah. sign off here?
2: Yeah. Um you can find me on Instagram at Easton Hawk Illustration. Um uh Easton Hawk illustration on Facebook. Still don't have Twitter. I can't stand it. Don't have TikTok. Tech- <laughs> I'm not, I, I can't produce content. So um, I'm on Reddit a lot. You can find me at u slash diaper feast, which is a, a Tim and Eric reference. <laughs> so, that's great. So I'm always on there, posting a lot of stuff on there. So nice. yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. A-
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Easton also has an Etsy shop where he, uh, he sells yeah, uh, posters I- and stuff. <laughs>
2: The Etsy is Easton Hawk art because I made that years ago before I went straight into the illustration stuff. Right and, on. Too late <laughs> uh, change it now.
1: Hell yeah. Well, check out his stuff, everyone. And uh, thanks again, Easton, for coming on. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, catch you catch next time. And Easton's going to hang out for a little bit. and We're going to talk about psychopomps for the Patreon. So stick okay. around.
2: Thank you so much.
1: All right. Well, that's the story of the Joplin Butterfly People. Thanks everyone for tuning in and checking out today's episode. If you could head on over to my Instagram or Facebook, let me know what you thought of today's episode format. Uh, That would be awesome. Uh, I've been wanting to try out kind of having someone co-host the show with me a little bit here. Um, And I had a lot of fun having Easton kind of lead the conversation and and tell us all about the joplin butterfly people and definitely be sure to check out all of easton's art and social media online you can find him on instagram and his etsy shop and don't forget to follow strangeology on social media as well if you haven't yet you can find me on instagram facebook tiktok Twitter, all the usual places, and definitely don't sleep on the Strangeology Podcast YouTube channel as well. This has been the year of trying to crank out some more video content for everybody out there, and I think I need to learn how to clone myself to get more of it done. (laughs) Also, I wanted to give a big shout out to all my patrons who help make Strangeology possible. There's a bunch of you now, and hopefully the Patreon family keeps growing. If you'd like to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash strangeology, where you'll find six different tiers with increasingly awesome benefits, starting at less than the cost of a cup of coffee per month. Some of the benefits include shoutouts, exclusive merch, merch discounts, VIP Discord, room access, early access to new episodes and YouTube videos, merch previews, and more. I actually have a brand new exclusive enamel pin that I'm going to be releasing for Patreon members shortly, just waiting on those to arrive, uh, probably by the end of June. And the call is still out there for listener stories. If you'd like to potentially have your story featured on an upcoming episode of the Strangeology Podcast, whether it's an encounter with a cryptid, a ghost, an alien, a UFO, you can call in and leave a message on my hotline. The number is 802 448 0612. Again, that's 802 448 0612. And leave a message. There's a three minute time limit, so if it takes you longer to tell your tale, just call back and pick up where you left off, and I can splice things together. You can alternatively go to my website, strangeology.com, and head to the contact section and fill out the form there, if you'd rather your story be narrated by myself or someone else. And if you haven't checked out my merch shop recently, I've got an awesome new Mothman design up there now. It's the Chicago Mothman, actually, and uh, people seem to be digging it a lot so far. My home state cryptids map project is pretty much done as well. I busted through the rest of the designs. There might be another design or two that I'll I'll throw in uh, at this point, uh, but I'm working on listing the last handful of designs, and then I'll also be putting up a listing for a large format print of the entire map of America with every state's featured cryptid or cryptids because there's a few that have uh, multiples (laughs) and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I hope you are too. Uh, Some people have been requesting that I do some different countries. Um, I've been kind of looking at like Canada or maybe doing uh, just kind of a international uh, community <laughs> of different uh, cryptids. I do have a Loch Ness Monster uh, Nessie design on my shop as well as the kind of first of, of that whole line. But yeah, lots to always do. Alright, well, that about does it for today's episode. For members, stick around after the short break where Easton and I are going to be discussing the myths, legends, and phenomena of Psychopomps, the guides to the afterlife on Strangeology Beyond. Stay with us, and as I always say, until next time, take care of yourselves and each other, and keep it strange. For sticking around for Strangeology Beyond, and thanks again, Easton, for coming back onto the show and, and doing a little bit of a takeover. I, I suckered you.